Are you ready to look into God's Word? What an exciting time when we can open the scriptures and study together. Uh, let me tell you a story. Franklin Roosevelt was President of the United States. And after he'd been President of the United States for quite a while, he found himself getting a little weary of the long lineups where the President shook hands with everybody who was at events. He felt like nobody was paying attention to anything that he was saying to them. All they were interested in was getting in what they wanted to say to the president. So one day he said, I'm going to see if they're listening to me. So the first person who came by, he said to them, I murdered my grandma this morning. Next person came and he said, I murdered my grandma this morning before breakfast. Third person, I murdered my grandma before breakfast this morning. He would say that and they would say, thank you, Mr. President, what a great job you're doing as the leader of our country. Went through the whole line. He said to everybody that day, I murdered my grandma before breakfast this morning. Finally, the ambassador to Bolivia came, last person in the line, and President Franklin Roosevelt said to the ambassador, I murdered my grandma before breakfast this morning. And the ambassador to Bolivia said, that's fine, Mr. President, I'm sure she had it coming. Uh, the reality is sometimes we just are not listening well. We are not good listeners. Sometimes we're far more concerned about what we want to say than what is being said. And sometimes maybe we don't even want to hear what God wants to say to us. I want us to listen carefully today. There is a blessing and a protection that comes into our lives from generosity. There's a blessing and a protection that comes into our lives from generosity. Our memory verse here at the neighborhood, we memorize scripture together, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Uh, we memorize out of the New Living Translation. Let me read it to you out of the English Standard Version. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We have a choice to make. Are we going to plant just a few seeds, or are we going to be generous in the seeds we plant? Choice to make. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would come in your kindness and help all of us to hear, help all of us to listen to what you want to say to us today. We say yes to your instruction in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to look at uh, an Old Testament portion of Scripture today. Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to start at verse number 7. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. 
return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Well, man robbed God, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God answers, in your tithes and contributions. Verse 9, you are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. Your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. I've read that portion. I've read that portion to you from the very last book in the Old Testament. And some of you may have already decided you're not listening. Because it's in the Old Testament. And you're not an Old Testament Christian, you're a New Testament believer. Well, I'll talk about that at the end of the message. Uh, I'll get back to that. But I would maybe ask you to change your thinking just a wee bit and say, Lord, maybe you might have something to say to me through the prophet. Maybe there is something for me to learn here. And I'll listen. And I'll listen. So we're confronted with a choice. We're confronted with a choice to give or not to give. I think there's some points I can lift out of this portion I've just read that will be helpful to all of us. And the first thing we need to recognize is giving our tithes and contributions to God is a huge part of following God. Giving our tithes and contributions to God is a huge part of following God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, and you've not. From the day of your fathers, you've stopped following me. And then God says, Return to me, and I will return to you. Giving our tithes and contributions to God, friends is not primarily about our finances. It's really about worship. It's really about worship. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts. How, how do we return to you? In your tithes and contributions. I was uh, sitting on a park bench in North Saskatoon about three or four weeks ago. And, and for some reason, I had decided to take some time, just sit on the bench and read through the book of Malachi. And when I was reading through the book of Malachi, I saw something that I'd never noticed before. 
Let me read some verses that will probably help you see what, what I saw. Malachi chapter 1 and verse number 6. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am a father, where's my honor? And if I am a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O oh, priests, you despised my name. You say, how have we despised your name? Uh, the issue in the book of Malachi is that the people were not honoring God. The people were not honoring God. Chapter 2, verse number 2, If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. Uh, the issue, the challenge, is now the people in Malachi's time had ceased to honor God. Verse number five. Um, reading uh, verse number five. Uh, my covenant with them was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. Um, the question here, the challenge here is, are you fearing God? Are you honoring God? In chapter 3, and verse number 16, chapter 3, and verse number 16, We read these words, those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, the Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who honored the Lord and esteemed, esteemed his name. Uh, these are out of the easy to read version, uh, this continual use of the word honor, the challenge. The challenge was God was not being honored by the people of this time. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs 3 is one of the first portions, lengthy portions of Scripture I memorized. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. King James Version says the first fruits of all your, of all your substance, then your, of all your increase, sorry, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your bats will be bursting with it. When we're giving to God out of our income, when we're giving to God out of our wealth, when we're giving to God out of our finances, what are we doing? We are honoring the Lord. We're honoring the Lord. <laughs> Tithing, giving, giving contributions to God, to God's work, is not about money. It is very much about worship. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 21. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. One of the largest grocery chains in Canada is the Safeway stores. I never wake up in the morning and wonder how Safeway's doing. I hardly ever think about Safeway. The truth of the matter is, the only time I think about Safeway is when I run in there to get a loaf of bread. 
Why don't I think about Safeway? I don't think about Safeway because I've got no skin in the game. I don't own any stocks in Safeway. Haven't spent uh, time trying to figure out how to invest in Safeway. I've got no money in Safeway, so I never think about Safeway. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. If you want your heart to be in the right place, one of the correctives in our lives, one of the ways we return to God is we begin to, we begin to put our finances, we begin to put our money into God's work. Where our treasure is, our heart always follows. Where our treasure is, our heart always Oh no, I don't believe that, Pastor. I think what you do is at the end of the church, you come to the altar and you stand at the altar or you kneel at the altar and you, and you cry and you weep and you let some tears flow down your cheeks. That's how you return to God. Friends, really? Really? Haven't we all tried that? has to be a change of heart. How do we change our heart? One of the ways we change our heart is by investing in God's work with our finances. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Second point, we've got a choice to give. Not giving our tithes and contributions to God is robbing God. Not giving our tithes and contributions to God is robbing God. So there's this phrase here, bring all your tithes and offerings into the, into the storehouse. The storehouse, you have to understand that, that the economy of the time this was written was not a, an economy based on money. People didn't run around with a bunch of dollar bills in their back pocket. Uh, the way the economy worked is if you had grain and she had grapes, you took your grain to her, got some grapes, she took some of your grain, you were trading things all the time. And so the storehouse at the temple was this place where people brought their grain, brought their grapes, brought their uh, the goods from the farm, the goods from their work, and they brought a tenth of it as an act of worship to the Lord. Bring your ties into the storehouse. Well, a man robbed God, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, yet you're robbing me. You say, how have we robbed you? In your ties and contributions. We've just worked our way through the Passion Week, the Holy Week, and and one of the villains of the story is the disciple named Judas. And what a terrible guy Judas is. Most of us think story of uh, Mary pouring that expensive perfume all over Jesus and, and Judas says, why was this waste of the ointment made? It should have been given to feed the poor. And Jesus says, you're not worried about the poor. Why did it say, why does it say Jesus knew Judas wasn't concerned about the poor? He knew he was the treasurer of the disciples group, but he knew that Judas was dipping into the offering plate, the offering bag, over and over again, taking a 10 here, a 20 here. Got an expensive week this week, grabbing a 100. We say, oh, that's terrible. And by the way, friends, I have absolute confidence that you're not dipping into the offering plate when we pass it here. Bless you. But let me ask you a question. Is there any difference from taking 
out of the offering plate from uh, not putting into the offering plate what belongs to God? Isn't it much the same? Isn't it much the same? Not giving our tithes and contributions to God is robbing God. Point number three. Point number three. Disobeying God and refusing to present our tithes and contributions to God invites ill fortune into our lives. Disobeying God and refusing to present our tithes and contributions to God invites ill fortune into our lives. Ah, ah, I'm done. I'm, I'm turning this. I'm not listening anymore. That's, 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 that's not true. That's not, that's not the God I know. The God, the Father you know, doesn't ever discipline you doesn't ever take things away from you so you will change your path. That's the God you know. If that's the Father you know, uh, you need to get to know him better because that's not the Father we read about in this book. And if you keep disobeying God and living selfishly, dishonoring God, not making the kingdom of God your priority, God, because he loves you, loves you deeply, cares for you deeply, God will come in and allow ill fortune into your lives. Now, what does an English revised version uses the word curse here? Some of you say, well, I don't like that word. I'll get back to that in a minute. A curse is the opposite of a blessing, uh, defining what a curse is. Whereas a blessing is a pronouncement of good fortune because one is living in joyful submission to God's plans, a curse is a pronouncement of ill fortune because one opposes God's plans. We don't want our friends be living under under a curse. We want God's blessing in our lives. So I read this and I was really hoping that King James Version and English Revised Version had made a, English Standard Version had made a significant mistake here and curse isn't really the word that was meant. So I read 61 versions. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 9, 61 versions, 59 of them use the word curse. So I guess that's not up for debate. When uh, we disobey God, when we disobey God, uh, refuse to submit to him, we are inviting, we are inviting ill fortune into our lives. I'm very grateful uh, in uh, uh, almost 50 years of working and living and taking responsibility for feeding myself and then getting married and making sure we had a roof over our head and in 50 years I've only been unemployed for two months.
the end of those two months, I, I got work and opportunity, but it was paying about that much of what I'd been making before. And so I made the decision that one of the ways I would manage this was I'd take it a little easy on the generosity stuff and I wouldn't tithe the way my wife and I had been tithing uh, for already 15 years or so. One night I was at home and uh, after supper, I'd gone out and I got the hoe and I was hoeing the flower garden at the front of the house. And in the middle of the hoeing experience, getting the weeds out of there, all of a sudden I heard a voice. And the voice said, I'll show you what will happen when you don't tithe. I'll show you what will happen when you don't tithe. I heard the voice, looked around, I didn't need to look around to see if somebody was there talking to me because I'd heard that voice a number of times in my life. I knew it was God's voice. Went back to hoeing and somehow actually forgot that God had said it to me. Came home from work uh, the next night. I got home a little later than I usually did, so Donna had put uh, some food on a plate, thrown it in the fridge. I threw the food that was in the fridge in the microwave, uh, heated it up, spread the newspaper out in front of me. I'm reading the newspaper, eating in the solitude of uh, the kitchen. And our boys were all out playing when our oldest son, Evan, came in the back door and said, Dad, you need to come out and see what Kyle did. Kyle's our middle son went outside and we always had a lot of hockey sticks at our house and uh, went outside and Kyle had taken a hockey stick and Kyle had punched the hockey stick through the headlights on our Valiant. And I guess he had so much fun doing that he went down to the Honda next and went glass all over our driveway. I said to Kyle, Kyle, why did you do that? And Kyle said, I, I, I don't know. Found a dustpan and a broom and helped Kyle sweep up the glass and had a good father to son chat with him. Went back inside, took my cold food by this time and put it back in the microwave, reheated it and began to eat. About five minutes later, Evan comes in the back door again and says, Dad, come on outside. If you think what Kyle did was bad, come see what Kent did. I went outside and Kent's friends had talked him into getting inside the Honda and somehow they released the emergency brake and our driveway was shaped like this and they began to push hard and the Honda began to roll down the driveway, rolled across the street right into the side of our across the street neighbor's car. Ah, still remember the embarrassment of that evening vividly. I was actually wearing my house coat. I went across the street in my house coat and knocked on the door and said to my neighbor, I've got some bad news. Uh, 
our son just rolled our car down the driveway into the side of your car and her response was oh no I just got it out of the auto body shop today I phoned the police and reported our four-year-old son's first automobile accident and found myself about 45 minutes later sitting in the back seat of a police cruiser filling out uh, the accident report. Went back in the house and supper was pretty cold. I took the cold food, threw it in the microwave, finished my supper and went to bed. Woke up the next morning to go to work and on the way to work there's a intersection and as we sometimes do in the prairies we were lined up in the left lane probably 13 cars deep at the red light the line was getting longer and i i was smarter than that i went in the right lane and i was right at the front of the intersection and when that light turned green i hit the gas pedal and away i went the only problem was there was a man with a blue uniform there and it was a school zone and he was standing there quite politely uh, going like this and I got a speeding ticket uh, for driving too quickly in a school zone that morning for the, fortunately they did not notice the uh, smashed headlights on the Honda um, and I'm sitting in the back seat of the Honda filling out uh, the uh, police, the uh, taking, waiting for the police to fill out the ticket and praying they wouldn't ask me what I do for a living. And uh, in the middle of sitting there while they're filling out the ticket, I heard this voice. I told you I'd show you. I told you I'd, I'd actually forgotten that God had said he was going to show me what happens when I don't tithe. I, I tend to forget what God says so easily. And I learned my lesson quite quickly. $150 worth of headlights, a uh, 200 and some dollar speeding ticket and a $700 deductible for the accident and getting the car repaired and I very quickly realized hmm, I would have, been a, would have been much much smarter to keep my heart and confidence pointing towards God by giving my tithes and contributions. Fourth point Tithing and making contributions to God's work opens the windows of blessings in our lives. Tithing and making contributions to God's work opens the heavenly windows of blessing in our lives. When we're pastoring in Thunder Bay, Ontario, uh, and we weren't there all that long. I was working with my dad uh, on staff with him. Uh, dad had the privilege of leading 
a, uh, a young mother to the Lord. A few weeks later, her husband came to the Lord. They had recently moved to Thunder Bay. They had bought a grocery store and uh, were in the grocery business. Soon the husband gave his life to the Lord, and after uh, being saved for a little while, he heard, he heard a sermon on this portion of Scripture and the idea that we should actually honor God with our finances, and he took up the idea of tithing. One year later, he got up in front of the church and said, I don't get it. But from the time we started to tithe, the income of our grocery store tripled. From the time we started to tithe, the income of our grocery store tripled. Bring the tithes into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Worry about God's house. Worry about God's work. And, and put me to the test and see if this really works, says the Lord of hosts. See if I won't pour out, open the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing that you won't even know what to do with all of it. Tithing and making contributions to God's work opens the heavenly windows of blessing in our lives. Last point, last point, point number five. God invites us to take up the tithing challenge and prove, and prove that he is real. Only time in scripture where God invites us to take up that kind of a challenge. He says, find out if I'm real. How do you find out if, you're re if he's real? Take from your finances take from your finances, begin to invest in God, invest in God's work. He says, come on, test me. I challenge you, test me. And see if I'm real. And you'll find out that, uh, that God is real. Now, let me go back to where I said I'd come back to at the beginning. Some of you say, oh, yeah, well, that's fine, preacher, but... But uh, if you were really a man of God, you'd be preaching from the New Testament. I don't believe all this Old Testament stuff. Well, be careful about not believing all that Old Testament stuff. We, we make statements that are just so easily made at times, but really are hard to substantiate. Friends, uh, murdering people was wrong in the Old Testament. It didn't suddenly become right in the New Testament. Tithing is right in the Old Testament. Honoring God with our finances is right in the Old Testament. It doesn't suddenly become wrong in the New Testament. The heart and principles and convictions of God, the laws of the spiritual universe do not change. How we're in right relationship with God does, but the laws and principles remain steady. It's the same. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you don't want to accept that and you want to, uh, to live uh, based on the New Testament, let me take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 2. Now, I want to deal with the offering. I want to talk about this subject, the offering for the Lord's people. 
do what I told the churches in Galatia to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should put some money away. The amount should be keeping in keeping with how much money you make. Save the money so that you won't have to take up an offering when I come. So forget Malachi if you want. Uh, make 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 to 2 uh, the principle you live by. I think it's a mistake to not factor Malachi in. But if, you, if you're really convinced you shouldn't, then make 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 your model. And what do we learn here? We learn, I think, three things. Our giving is regular. First day of the week. First day of every week. Uh, put some money away. Bring some money to God's work. Offer money to God the first day of the week first principle of this verse. So it's regular. It's not something, well, I'll, I do that Easter Sunday and then I'm done for the year. Our giving is regular. Second, our giving is personal. Each of you, so don't expect the person beside you to do it. Don't expect your dad to do it for you. Don't be praying that now that you're retired, your sons will uh, give a bit more so you don't have to give any more. Uh, each of you, uh, each of us should put some money away. And then lastly, how do we give? We give proportionately, in keeping with how much money you should make. So really the New Testament grace principle even elevates giving. So one person makes $20,000 for a year. I think that's really hard to live off of. But out of that $20,000, they managed to give $1,000 to God's work. Good on them. They've got 19000 left. Church looks and says, that person's not that important. They only give $1,000. And there's a person who makes hundred grand a year. And they give $20,000 to God's work. And everybody says, oh, what a wonderful, generous person that is. They have got $80,000 to live off of. And the person who makes 20000 is trying to live off of 19000 And God looks and says, God looks and he doesn't look at how much we gave. He, keeps, he looks at how much we keep. And that person who gave the 1000 actually is giving far more than the person who gave the 20000 Give proportionately. Embrace that if that's your preferred route. Closing portion of scripture. And then I'll just uh, lead in a word of prayer. As for the rich in this present age, 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Pastor Jordan, just come and say a prayer of benediction as I just pray a short prayer uh, um, asking God's blessing on uh, this word today. Father, Help us to hear what your spirit would be saying to us. Help us to recognize the great spiritual and financial benefits that come from 
returning to you and pointing our hearts towards you. Come Holy Spirit and use this word to encourage and challenge each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.